You good? James Lipton? Yes. <laughs> right. That's right. Hello, everybody. Um, if, if people get too cold, um, we can shut the door. Uh, Matt and I have worked together uh, on many, many occasions. I, I think we set up the rafters at the preschool where our kids went one time. Another time, I think we were in charge of like serving drinks at the preschool. And that's how we, pretty much how we know each other. But, uh, but, but um, he's amazing. I mean, for those of you guys who know him, he's absolutely amazing. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've been like, yeah, Matt Walsh. And someone's like, you know him? It's like, and it's sort of like, well, I guess I, I kind of, acquaintances, would you say, Matt? We're acquaintances. Sure. We, yeah. We're, we're burgeoning right. on friendship. Yeah. After tonight, maybe. <laughs> Matt, come on in. This is Matt Walsh, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Have a seat. Thank you. Um, so in the last couple of days, I've been watching more of your stuff than probably I wanted to. No. Um, I was watching a lot of your stuff, some of the stuff I hadn't seen much of. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was, was going to ask you, because you know, a lot of people watch The High Road, which I, I watched and have some. I'm going to break down what that script is. In case you didn't know, yeah. I have all your act breaks and everything. Please. Oh, yeah. Please. Um, and, uh, you told me you had a mini first act. You have a mini first act. I'll tell, tell you. What, me, okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what a mini first act tell is. Tell me what the mini so, first okay, act is. So, I don't know anything about writing. All right, here's the first six pages of your script. Okay. Inciting incident, the band breaks up. Mm -hmm. First act ends when he's selling pot. But that's the fake, that's the mini first. That's like a exposition, is what that is. For those of that's you who backstory. Saw. That's backstory, but okay. it is, that's, sometimes right. they call that a, a, a faux first act. Like it's sort of okay. where he is was incited by the breakup of the band. But of course, the actual inciting incident is uh, well, the, is is the selling of the pot to the guy in the store, yeah, which leads to the start of the second act, which is we're on our way out the door. So that's just just telling you these are the things you didn't even know you were doing that wow. are exactly along the lines of what it should be. Um, but then when, when I was when I was watching these movies, I realized like the most interesting thing I think that you have that 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 I you know that is unique to all of our writers is I started watching uh, for those of you who have not seen. Uh, Dog Bites Man, right? Correct. That is that's, correct that's the correct title. Dog Most Bites Man. Most people call it Man Bites Dog. Man Bites Dog. That's the trick, see? That's the, yep. that's the twist, as they say. Um, but I realized that you know, so much of that, for those of you who don't know that show, it was uh, created by the, guys, the guy who did Ollie G, right? Yes, Dan Mazur. Dan Mazur. co-creators of Ollie G. Right. Well, we'll start here. Let's start with this one, because uh, what, what the show is, and this is going to sound funny, but this is a weird way to start. I wasn't going to start here, but I have one little clip I want to show you from it, if that's all right. Because the concept of the show mm -hmm. is... They're like a news team, and they have they do a lot of scenes together, you know, in the news office. But then they merge it into live action, like interviewing people, guys, man on the street. Would you say that's true, Matt? Was that a good setup? Yes, that is. That's a fair. Uh, you can add uh, anything. Assessment. Because um, really, because really, it's this a fake news team. It's it's. Uh, I would call it like incursion into reality. You're sort of uh, forcing a premise on people. So we are. A fake news team. There's a director. I play the anchor. We all have characteristics. I'm ego driven. Uh, Zach plays the director, who's terrible and miles. Zach Galifianakis was in this. Andy miles plays uh, uh, an assistant to everyone who's very sycophantic to me. And so the, the the characters improvise their personalities. But you go out and you interview, like I told Pete, you interview the head of the Ku Klux Klan in the Western Tennessee chapter. They didn't air that one. Or you one, go no. to the Republican. Right. We didn't air that episode. Right. That never aired because he never finished the edit. Yeah, that's uh, what I was wondering where that show went. Yeah. <laughs> and we did Republican convention and we did spring break in Florida. So the whole episode would have a premise of like, uh, you know, Republican convention, put Bruno Ku Klux Klan, or... Uh, something else and then inside that there would be scripted scenes 
that sort of covered story or narrative, if you will. Like we had van scenes where it was just us four, or we had comedy bits at the hotel, or we had comedy bits at the station, written, tightly uh, executed and filmed. And then we would shoot a shit ton of footage on the road asking real people who thought we were a real news team ridiculous questions and acting like jackasses. Well, where do you see it? I mean, this is so, this is, well, where yeah. do you see it? Because this, I, I've, been, I've been watching so much of this the last few days, but this is from the pilot. Yeah, this Ooh. is the pilot. I'm gonna turn it down. So anyway, that's, I mean, that's, that's the gist of what that is. And the reason I thought... Interesting you picked that clip, Pete. <laughs> Talk about why you picked that clip. Because I laughed so hard when I saw it. 
So that example, is that, a, is that the epitome of what that show is in your mind? That no. scene? No, no, no. I'm just curious. No, 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 it's not. Yeah. But the thing that I like about it is that you go into the, you know, that you go into the field. I will, I will tell you, I didn't, that, that was the one that I saw that really made me laugh. Why? Is, is that, that not your favorite because of? No, I'm just curious how you see that show. Like, because you're a writer and you can, I, analyze, I will tell you. You can I, analyze things. Right, this is what I want to say. Is, and you correct me if I'm wrong, this is what I want to talk to you about. Because a lot of you people, uh, a lot of you people, no. But a lot of people come to me, and they, we're going to get to that. A lot of people come to me and they say, um, you know, I want to do a viral video. I want to do a web series. And they always come in with something that's a little bit overly scripted. It doesn't come across as natural. And what I like about it and what I think is really brilliant about this show and why it works is because you set up situations that have the highest likelihood of succeeding. Correct? Like you... What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is when you go in and you know you're going to talk in front of... You're going to do an interview with a guy who's lifting weights. Yes. And you know that a guy who's lifting weights spends so much time on their body and it's so important to them, it does seem like the success... It's, it's got a low probability rate for failure. In other right. words... If you just like went and said, we're going to interview a guy, here's a good, like you wouldn't go say, I'm going to interview a guy who makes $4 an hour in the produce section. Right. That's, why isn't that going to be? pick the right target. That's right. You have okay. to pick the right target and you want to see like, a, you know, you have to ask yourself, what will the success rate be when we, when we set up just the right situation? And that, that's writing. I mean, that's yeah. writing because you're saying this will work on all the levels we need it to. It's a good mark. It's somebody who you can feel a little bit, you know, it's not going to seem mean when you go after somebody like that. Yeah. I don't think. No, you know? I don't think so either. I yeah. think that's important. So to me, like, that's the key to the show. And then if you see the other, this is the other thing that um, I wanted to talk to you. So staying there for a minute, how do you feel, like, when people are selecting, like, trying to do a short, trying to make, like, a short viral video type of thing, I feel it should look a little bit more like that, like a little more organic and a little more natural. And Why do you feel that way? Two, because, what, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you what. a more specific way. This is great. It's like, it's like yeah. Or, yeah. I just want to have James Lipton talk to me. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. I've been calling him James Lipton. Yeah. Like, why do you feel that way? <laughs> um, when do I feel that way about the... Oh, okay, I'll tell you why. When people write very scripted things, like when people try to sell a sitcom in four minutes, here are the things that have to go perfectly. You have to have perfect lighting, you have to have it look exactly right. It has to be neat. It has to be clean. The actors can't miss for a second because they have to act in every second as opposed to being more who they are. And I feel like in this kind of content, I see a lot of Matt Walsh in that. And you don't have to worry about being this character so much. I mean, there is a character there, but it's, it's you. You know, a lot of that is you yeah. interviewing someone. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I feel like when you do something that's out on the street and feels a little raw and a little grittier. Well, I would go further too, because in a way we do a show called Veep, and Veep we get to own the characters. Like we did rehearsals for several weeks on our characters and we developed our voice. And we don't improvise raw scenarios on Veep, but in a way, uh, the aesthetic of that show affords sort of a realism and like I can write to my strengths in a way because I get to contribute and make things, like one of the values of that show or a format like that is you're taking four extremely, obviously Zach is a huge star, but before that he was a great stand-up, so you're taking him, I'm a solid improviser, Andrea is a very great actress, and Miles is a brilliant writer who's now on the head writer for Jimmy Fallon. So you're, you're taking this skill set and it's like silly to not, to handcuff those minds, to like handcuff them and say, well, I got, I got better lines than you, because. I always, because I direct improv movies, mm -hmm. and I always feel like 
the cliche would be Aaron Sorkin or Woody Allen. Everybody talks like them in their movies. Like every single line There's feels no like Woody Allen yeah. or Aaron Sorkin, for example. But I feel like when you improvise things or you create scenarios like a dog bites man, there's such unique range that comes from each individual in that performance. So that's another strength. Right. And I, I think that one of the things that people also try to do when they make these shorter five, seven things is they try to be the character that they think this town's looking for. As opposed to, like, when you do something like that, it forces you to show them exactly who you are rather than the thing that you think they're looking for. And I think that that really works. But going back to, you were talking about, uh, imp, you know, on, uh, that Veep is scripted. Mm -hmm. Now, you've done stuff like this. You also, for those who don't know, Matt is also one of the founders of UCB, which we're going we're to we're get to in a minute. So people know that about you coming in. Do you find that when you're on set, they give you a little bit of a longer leash to improvise? Like, do they give you a scene, like they say, all right, Matt, we're, we got what we need. You want to just do one on your own? Uh, on Veep, the... the Room for improvisation has shrunk because, as a byproduct of the scope of the show. The show has grown exponentially. There's more characters. She's president. It's bigger. I think in the beginning, the device, Julia is the, pres the vice president, and we just sort of followed her in her wake. We were like mm. just going through the halls of government, and now it's much bigger. So uh, I always feel, personally, I feel very conscious of like production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's yeah. just so many scenes to get done, and also... They're not necessarily looking for it. Like the first season, they say, give us a free one. Give us a, you know, yeah, mess, mess about. about, mess yeah. about, have fun, hit the beats, move on. Very rarely are there days where you get those anymore right. on V. Right, right, right. And when you, when you work on it, whoops. I'm littering, sorry. That's right, that's right. Um, but one of the things that I, I noticed with, with, about Veep is when I see it and I see you in it, there are variations of everything I've ever seen you play before, from the Todd Phillip movies that you've done to, you know, to this, your own movies that you appear in, including the therapy one that I saw, including uh, Man by, uh, Dog Bites Man. But it seems like there's a, it, it, although different, when you watch him on Veep, it, it just, it really feels like, a, it really does, that's why it felt to me like they said, just go ahead and do your Matt thing. And that's the thing that when you, this is where, when I say to you guys, just do something, do something, put yourself in something, the more times you get to perform, the more you hone who that personality is. Like, do you feel, sure. yeah. So, you know, when you go to Veep, when you get cast on something like Veep, do you know what they're expecting from, like, you know, did you audition for that, first of all? Yes. You auditioned I for did. that. Four times. Four times, oh my yeah. God, right. Yeah. And so, and so, when you look at it, it feels, you'd never guess that. Like, it does feel like you own it. And what I would say to you all is I think that's why when I say to you, create your own, create your own, create your own, is particularly for those of you who want to be actors, it gives you that experience to develop personalities, develop who you are. And, and, and instead of trying to do, you know, create content with you playing 15 different characters, try to create content where it's one, you know, like one or two characters that you get very, very good at. Sure. Would, would you say that? I would say that's wise mm -hmm. to uh, provide uh, detail and depth to uh, any of the things you're doing is smarter, yeah. always. Absolutely. All right, Instead of just shotgun approach. Right. I want to talk a little bit about UCB. Will someone hand me my questions that are sitting right there, but I, I know the question I'm going to ask. I want to ask you why I was in a group called, uh, when I came out here, I auditioned for a comedy troupe called Variety Pack, and we were paid. This is big shit. Who was yeah. paying you? Uh, some company. This woman had like a, a deal with somebody. I think it was okay. like somebody's girlfriend, not married. <laughs> and uh, and they, they had some money, and they paid us to like do this this thing. 
And what I want to ask you is, so we did it, and they liked it. They didn't want to make it into a show. The goal was to make it into a show. They liked it. They didn't make it into a show, but they wanted to see another one. So I, this, this goes to two, two, two questions. Where do you think, because everybody I know had, that's funny had one of these groups. Where do you think UCB succeeded where I failed? What was, what was so great about you? Uh, you've been laying in the weeds. You, you resent my success. In You're wondering improv. why I have you here tonight. You're as funny as me, yes. <laughs> We're even. Do you have the levels you need? Yeah. yeah. We have it. Can I go? Can I go? We're done here. We're done here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, why did you? Oh, that was in the email you sent me. Okay, that's a fair question. Uh, I feel Cause like because he, he didn't because he didn't say no to it. So therefore, well, I was professional. This is yeah. ultimately our conversation, yes. but yeah. also educational. How many people, just so I know you guys, uh, have like written a full screenplay? All of you, of course, right? How many have written five screenplays? Okay, and how many people have like acted in ten videos? Okay. And has, how many people have shot something as a director? I would just okay. interrupt you say one thing. Five years ago, had you asked this question, you'd have one hand up. Because I, I was, you know, this is like a, they're really getting the memo, they're getting the memo on this. But anyway, go ahead. Good. Yeah. Okay, so I'm uh, just curious. So UCB succeeded. Hmm. I think simply because it was organized in a, uh, a modest sort of, uh, sort of working class mentality in that we were performers in New York. We came from Chicago with a suitcase and a dream, literally, <laughs> literally, in a van. I drove the RV, right. Besser drove the RV, and I came out with Horatio, and my van broke down in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and we were frozen. We just basically slept in a snowstorm in Pennsylvania for like six hours mm -hmm. with our feet on a heater in a restaurant. So That we would were, be the inciting incident for me. But okay, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was very memorable to me. I'm like, yeah. I've never been this cold. I'm like, this is, the sh this is like the worst decision I'm yeah. making. Like I literally Low was point. in the moment. Right. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like <laughs> yeah. literally leaving Chicago to go to New York. And then uh, we started teaching classes because we were doing... Four shows, uh, four sketch shows, which we had honed in Chicago and packed up our trunk and took them to New York. So we're doing like four shows around town and then we picked up an improv show where we just did what we'd been doing in Chicago, which is called long form improv. So first off, we benefited from a marketplace that didn't exist. New York didn't know long form improv. They truly didn't, it was terrible. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely god awful. Nobody knew how to do long form. Mm -hmm. They were doing short form, so we lucked into a space that nobody owned. Mm -hmm. So that was good. So we were doing a free show, which built an audience, and then we locked into a real passionate audience, like people like who really loved what we were doing, and so we started teaching classes, and then the class was the business of UCB. Like, we were teaching classes, and there was money changing hands at that point. Mm -hmm. So we just put it into our little kitty, which was Ian's wallet, and we would make <laughs> movies with it. We would fly to LA for showcases. It was like the fun money. Mm -hmm. And then it was everything else has been an extension of that. By the time we were teaching, the four of us were teaching, you know, four to six classes, uh, people eventually did graduation shows. And like, these kids are funny, or they're now all adults and I'm old, but they're funny. It's like, oh, we gotta find a stage. So we had a theater we were using, and then New York is very hostile to outsiders. They're like, take your props, fuck you, get out of here. You know, like, you just feel like you have no home. So we wanted a clubhouse slash home. Right. We found a strip club that Mayor Giuliani had shut down. Mm -hmm. uh, we knocked the An walls out. from Mayor Giuliani. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Mayor Giuliani, yeah, for yeah. your moral cleanup. So you're saying the key to your success was luck. 
No. <laughs> it is luck in the beginning, no, sure. No, totally it kidding. is luck in the beginning. I, was, I just wanted to just take you out of the knees. No, but, so Mayor, Mayor Giuliani, I'm sorry. Was yeah, the, he you're saying it. he was the key to your success. Him right? creating vacant yeah. real estate. Yeah, yeah, by yeah. taking the smut out. Yeah. Um, and and what, so that's where it all started. And, and because what I think from seeing it and seeing you and seeing all the people that I know that are on it, it is a very, the, the thing that makes it different to me and different than Second City is I feel more than anything, everybody else says, don't play the joke, don't play the joke. I feel like what you do well, and what all of you guys who came out of there do well, is you play into the minutiae of life. You know, I see it in your movies, I see it in uh, Dog Fights Man. Dog Dice Man. And, and what is it about, like in other words, they'll, they'll just riff on some very small thing for a lot, like uh, uh, I think it was in High Road, they're sitting around talking about who's who in a particular, oh no, no, it was in, um, it was in uh, do, do, man, dog, dog, dog Bites Man. Dog Bites Man. Uh, the scene where they're talking about Alvin and the Chipmunks. And yeah. who, there's like a whole scene about like, he, he, Jack Alphanakis names his testicles. And he has like Tom and Jerry or whatever it is. And he goes, Alvin and the Chipmunks. And he's like, no, that, that doesn't really work because there's three of them. And somebody's like, well, one of them could be the Shaft. And then they're like talking about all the characters on <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks. And it's, it's this long, like mi long form minute. He always half. picks the sexual scenes. Are you guys noticing a pattern? Yeah, 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 right, right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> But but the, but the thing that I think is is really interesting because also in High Road, I find the thing that I really like about the scenes in that is there's something and I don't know if you can speak to this, but there's something within the minutia that really brings in the masses. Like the masses can really identify with the little the little things in human personality rather than some big show stopping scene. It's just in the small things that people feel. I think The Office actually captures yeah. that a little bit too. That yeah. that and and I think. And you can speak to this, but it all comes down to that the inner insecurities that everybody has. You know, I feel a lot of these scenes. Well, I think it starts from just playing things real. Like I'm uh, a big fan of that, and uh, I think that if you spend time, like we talked earlier about, you know, developing something and making it uh, layered and real, then you do get into minutia. Like you do uh, get more specific, and I think just playing things real has always been my favorite kind of comedy. I think you asked me in the uh, latter. The He's going to ask his own me. questions. Yeah, I'll right. ask my own questions. I'm a, I'm a low maintenance guest. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing, I think it was Flirting with Disaster. Was I, I asked him, that? the question was, that I asked him was, when you wanted to write movies and direct, what were the things that you would see that, you would, that really inspire you and say, I want to start making. Yeah, um, there was like many things, like Kids in the Hall, mm -hmm. because they were always interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and they played things really well, like as actors, they really like went beyond sketch in a really cool way. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. I would do. really, for those of you who have not seen that series, I would really recommend it. Yeah. Highly recommend that. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, was it Flirting with Disaster? Is that the name of it? Yeah. I think so. I yeah, it was so. a very realistic. It inspired you. It didn't inspire David you to learn Russell. the title, but it David inspired you. Right. His, his first film, I believe. Yeah. And it was like right. Ben Stiller and Alan Alda might have been in it. Yeah, and, Mary Tyler uh, Moore. Richard, uh, I forget that character actor's name, great character actor. Yeah. But it played things so real and so close to the vest, kind of like, I think the first Married with the, Mar uh, uh, Ben Stiller, help me out here. Uh, it's the, meet the, meet parents. the parents, thank you. Meet Ma the parents. Yes. That had a very realistic tone. I think the preceding or successive films got a little broader, mm -hmm. but I always like really tightly played, like Woody Allen is pretty real, even though they're just telling jokes. There's like the dingy feel of like reality to his stuff and I think he prefers wider, longer shots a lot of the time. So I always personally like things that felt like uh, inhabited and real and breathing 
even though they were absurd, you know, there, there is, uh, comedy's tricky because you do ultimately have to make people laugh, but, so if you're playing, like, you could kill a joke just by the way you say it. Mm -hmm. You could say, like, whatever. You could say the punchline and sort of bury it. So you do have to sell the comedy, but also you, creating that reality, uh, the base reality of anything that's believable, I'm always drawn to those things. And mm -hmm. so sort of that sloppy mentality, for example, that's, that is real, mm -hmm. in fact. Like, we are interviewing that guy, and to that guy's point of view, it's nothing but real. Mm -hmm. So that's, even though it's kind of a prank, it's actually... Theatrical, you know, it is like those. Those are challenging because you do kind of sell your soul. But if you pick the right, is that why you're bummed? I picked that one. You huh? seemed a little bummed that I picked that. No, one. I'm not bummed. I was teasing. Okay. You, okay. Actually, I wasn't sure if you're like you picked a harsh one, and they're not because well, they're not all like that. It makes me laugh because it's just like grown adults just talking about testicles for like 30 minutes yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, it's so but it's, dumb. it's but the thing is, is that and I think what you're saying is interesting, which is when you're dealing with so good about this kind of stuff for a writer and for your kind of humor is. When you're, as you just said, when you're dealing with somebody who thinks this is the reality, you can't push, you have, the whole trick to it is to stay on this side of the line, to get as close to that line as you can, but when yeah. you go over it, it's over, you know what I mean? And so that is, I think, the thing that I really, I mean, that's why you succeed doing things like that. One other thing I just want to say. But we also would laugh and just like turn away, like if you started laughing, <laughs> Like somebody, you know, me or Zach would just walk away. He's like, where's Zach? And you'd see him laughing in the corner, <laughs> trying to pull it together. So we did enjoy making each other laugh, which was the real joy of it. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Just see who could get away with the most. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of like, I don't know, in high school you do those kind of things, like you act like you're something else and yeah. you play tricks on people. That, that's what I felt like, like friends playing <laughs> That's where it all people. begins. Yeah. Um, one other thing I, I want to just say while I'm thinking of it is, I always tell you guys, you know, it's, it, to people, uh, a lot of young writers tend to overwrite. And I will often say, you know, you don't have to do a dialogue, just a look. Just a, if you look at a lot of Matt's stuff, particularly this uh, movie that you just had, that you just wrote, I know I didn't ask you guys to watch it, was uh, Beyond Therapy? Was that what was a No, no, no. Beyond no, Therapy. No, no, it wasn't Beyond a Therapy. A Better You. Yeah, Better it's You. It's not out yet. But there's a, it it's is not yet. It's no. a great movie that he just did. And, and Matt does so much stuff in it where there's almost entire scenes where he's smoking cigarettes out on the street and some guy's just talking to him and all he's doing is listening. And, you know, then he just, you know, flicks the cigarette down. And this guy's acting up a storm. I mean, he's not acting, but he's doing his thing, and you're just watching Matt the whole time because he's not responding in any way. I say this to say, and he does that in a lot of stuff. You do it in this show, like, where you're just, there's so much to be gained through silence and through quiet. You wouldn't know that, me being your teacher, but it's true. Yes. Well said, Pete. You it's hard to write that. You know what I mean? Because that's very up to the actor, like the, the sure. little reactions, the discomfort. You know, it's hard to convey that sometimes. On the well, I would, I would throw maybe a sparseness of words would lead the actor towards that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you're speaking of overwriting, mm -hmm. perhaps like winnowing down. You know things. There, you you know certain writers like a Horton Foot or somebody like that. They're very sparse. Yeah, yeah. So if you want that moment. You could sparse it up with your uh, verbiage. You right. Just, I just always think, are they going to get it? Either mm -hmm. it's like, are they going to... Well, a lot of times what I do, much like he said when I write and we talk about this, is I'll like do an ellipsis and then do an ellipsis. And it's just all, that part of the sort of say, we, we look to Matt, dot, 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 and then do dot, 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 who is, um, who is ha ha harrowingly still. You know, or something like just to say, 
that is the look we're going for. It's hard to write, though. You're right. You know, it's it's a it's a very tough thing to do. All right, let's talk for a I'm minute. Try to remember that. That's yeah, a good, that's you a good throw trick. That in your I script. just learned yeah, something. See? How to create stillness. Yeah, dot, that's dot, right. dot, dot, get, dot 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 dot. You only want one line. One line. You know. Um, okay. So let's talk about High Road for a little bit. Now, when you first started writing scripts, and this is always interesting to me, because you organically fell into format, and I'm wondering. Did you like study books and do all that stuff? And I did. And how much did. of it did you use when you started writing? And how much of it just did you know from just watching movies? Because I think a lot of that does help. I made a, I made a fair collegiate effort at uh, screenwriting uh, study. I, I read the Robert McKee. I did a couple saves. Did you make it through the whole book? I did, it's but dense. I don't remember anything. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Remember, I truly don't remember anything except yeah. the hero's journey, right. which led me to Joseph Campbell, and I did a little Joseph Campbell reading. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then I went into uh, Save the Cat. I did two of those. I think I read two of those. Yeah, those are great. You all, you guys all know I yeah. endorse those. And then, uh, and then, talking to writers. But that's it. That that was the depth of my like uh, studiousness <laughs> about writing. Right, right. So you're saying you don't need to take a class like mine. There's no reason a person no, should ever No, I don't take... think so. I, I, <laughs> so it's just a I don't waste mean to minimize money. it. A waste I, of money. I don't mean to minimize it. I, yeah. I, I was all, well, you said outside, for example, that if you can do sketch, like your friend said last week, or Tom. Last time, Tom asked if you guys. If you can crack sketch, then you got it made. Or, or what did he say? I don't I didn't know. Say, didn't say. No, he said, one of the best things you guys remember, he said, how many of you were in Groundlings? How many of you were in UCB? And he said that those programs really teach you to write because it forces you to focus on the scene as opposed to the big picture. Like a lot of people are like, I want to write a movie about feminism. It's like, <laughs> all right, well, let's show me one scene from your movie. And now once you do sketch, you can, you, you can do a string of them. You can do 20 of those, those things, which is when we get into High Road, you'll, some of you may not know this, but his movies are improv. That, that movie, for those who saw it, it's completely improvised. And, and when that movie succeeds at its best, it's when it's true improv. You can just, yeah. in your bones, you can feel that these are two guys talking. The, the stuff between, uh, what's his name, Rich, Riggle, uh, Rob Riggle? And Joe Latrulia. And Joe, yeah, like th that they're stuff great. is just great. magic when you see these two guys on screen. It's like every scene, they're just, and it's you, you can clearly see that, you know, there are a lot of yelling of cut because they were just having such a good time, you know, doing these scenes. Um, one thing I really liked about this movie that I thought you, you, that you learned me something was, for those of you who saw it, you may remember at the beginning, you're, while credits are rolling, you're seeing him meeting this girl, this girl at the concert, watching the drummer play. Then you see them out on the streets and blah, blah, and credits are rolling. And you've already established their whole relationship before the movie even starts. Now, were you aware yeah. of that? Did you write it that way? No, I will give credit, uh, some credit to my editor. I, I hired uh, a director, or excuse me, a... Uh, a director to direct my film. No, a document, <laughs> uh, documentary editor. Right. My name is Alex Hanawalt. Mm -hmm. Really talented, because uh, I'm a big believer in hiring talented people to make yourself look better. Mm -hmm. I have no ego when I do something. I really yeah. don't, but it's the best. Right. Because, like... My first film, I talked to my script supervisor all the time, like an idiot. Mm. Like I went to film school on her. I'm like, what does this angle mean? Why do we need this? Yeah, like, yeah. I literally did that. And it's, I'm not totally embarrassed. I probably should have been more talented getting into a movie. But at the end of the day, we made a decent movie and I'm very happy with it and it's super funny. Mm. So, uh, but my editor was a director, a documentarian and I knew I wanted that. I knew like we were gonna create a lot of footage. So I had some interest in like, all right, and this is the guy. And I met a lot of people, mm. so I did pick the personality. But he had a very smart uh, mind, so we did, a, we did a four and a half hour cut of the first movie, which is crazy, but I said, I wanna see every joke. Mm. Everything that's funny, 
that covers this storyline. I had a storyline. Can't and, wait for the director's cut. Yeah. Give me, give me yeah. a four-hour version. Yeah. And sidebar, we did have a script. I wrote a script with my friend Josh Weiner. I don't mm -hmm. know if you know him. Mm -hmm. And it was a movie that nobody was going to make. We sent it out. No one's ever going to make it. Mm -hmm. So no one's ever going to give us money. So I said, fuck it. We're going to make it in June. I don't care how much money. We'll do it for five dollars. We'll do it for, and we ended up getting like three hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is a lot of money. We just took a few meetings and we lucked out, so we made it for that money. And so we had a legitimate script. So Josh and I had the script, and then I would see scenes that were. Uh, we boiled the movie down to like eighty scenes with like three paragraphs beneath each heading, and then meanwhile we had script. So we could throw jokes from the script. So, oh, mm -hmm. say this or don't say this. Not forcing the actors to say this. Mm -hmm. So there was a real tight structure around it. But back to your initial question was, the editor pitched me that idea. He's like, maybe we don't need to see, because there were scenes where we had, they went on a date, mm -hmm. and we had a couple timeliney things, and he's like, let's just do it. I was it. wondering about that. He, so he pitched me. Out. Right, right, he right. cut it, and he said, what do you think of this? What if we just do this? And I'm mm -hmm. like, that's great. So for those of you who saw the movie, basically there were, he picked these things out of scenes that were, this is where an editor can, I always tell you guys, when you're doing your own stuff, you've all heard me say this, if you're gonna spend money on anything, spend it on the editor, because they can save your ass. And that's a, I mean, that's a really good way to sort of, you can do things with an image, and I think you're, you had a good, a good editor that, that realized that. Now, when you, so when you're casting this movie, did a lot of those guys come from UCB? Like, did you, did you were you like, Okay, he's like, you know, because you, you're one of the owners of it, so you just kind of cherry-pick the guys you like. Is well, that they're all friends, they're like all, in, oh, in a very friends. simple okay. way, like funny people that we hang out and, you know, right. uh, do bits or whatever. And so I just called friends. Like, most of them are friends, and some of them I'd done movies with that I knew were funny. They weren't necessarily, like, UCB. Mm -hmm. So some of them were just funny people that I'd done movies with. And then the only person we had to cast was the kid, Dylan O'Brien, who's now the Maze Runner. Oh, is that the right? The fucking Maze Runner, oh, dude. Oh, my God. You we found, found the Maze Runner. You found the Maze Runner. I broke the Maze Runner. That, right. I sh that should be my tombstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's more to you than that. There I is. Think. There I is. think you know, not so much, but a little. What I'll take think? a little more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, this is just a, a little sidebar. It doesn't necessarily have the movie, but you know, you're, you're, Megan. I mean, uh, <laughs> Megan. Uh, your wife is in it. Morgan. <laughs> just. We were just talking about it before. I don't know what the hell just happened to me. That's okay. I know Morgan in some ways better than him. I mean, I've, 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 you know, I wore carpool and she was there all the time when we were when we were working at the school together. Um, she's amazing. I don't know if you guys remember she was she played the prostitute in there. Interesting way to cast. I know. Her. Yeah. It is funny. Honey, there is a part for you. There is a part for you. Now I live in you know my my wife is an actor and a producer or you know in her in her day. And it can be tricky, you know, it's tricky. And in your case, you guys are both chasing the same thing because she's very funny. Yeah. She is in UCB. She's very talented. She's very talented. Yeah. And is that a tough thing, to a dynamic to work, or does it come pretty easy to you guys? Like, do you feel like, I know I want her, she knows I want her, I'm putting her in, and it's going to be great? Or is it like... Well, fortunately, she's great. Like, she really is super talented. Morgan's the best. I like, know. I, I have no problem uh, with someone saying, oh, he put his wife in the... Like, you know, or he put his boyfriend. It's not a sex thing or gender thing, but it's just like... You see successful people put their spouses in movies, and you're like, all right, I don't know about this. You know what I mean? Could go bad, but she's awesome. Like she's yeah. fantastic. There'd be no pushback. But and, and working with her is okay. Like you can you yeah, can direct it is her. Good. And she's not like, you know something? I was no. up all night. Does, does it bleed into the uh, into no. The production? No, we keep it very clean and very professional. Right. Absolutely. Right. No. Right. She's on set. On, on set. set. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Um, well, we have three children, and that's, that's a lot of work. So. Yeah, no, yeah, that's true. 
Um, very adorable kids, by the way, but well, that's another for another time. Um, what? So uh, let's talk for a little bit about Veep, if we can. Sure. Um, a lot of people have seen that show. I'm a huge fan of that show. Uh, I would say, to me, there's a lot about that show that is new. Um, and I have other questions, but while I'm thinking of it, the, I don't know if you guys watch Veep, but the tags on that show are original. I've never seen that done before. The tags? The tags. The end of the show. They sort oh, of like the credit? Yeah, the credit. Oh, the they breathing just, credit? They just sort of... I feel like I've seen that. What did I, you see? Because I haven't seen it quite like that. I it's sort of like a moment of zen. I would give it a little bit of that. Yeah, like the yeah, Daily that's, Show that's, kind of that's, does that's that. That's the Daily Show. And no, that's a bit at the end. It's not a... like that. But they would like, let things breathe sometimes. I, I feel like I've seen it. I don't think it's completely original, but I'm not going to say you're not right either. Well, I, 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 it's original to me, let's okay. just say. But it's so much better than the traditional tag of like, oh, you know, she couldn't sell her cookies and there's a homeless guy and he won't eat her cookies. You know, like it's, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's like a oh, boom, boom, and now yeah. we're done. It's sort of like, if you guys watch the show, these, these tags, I just wanted to keep going. Like I'm always like, oh, like I'm looking at the credits to wait for that big Columbia, you know, the last credit that they put where it's the, the studio that's making it. And I'm like, oh, it's going to end because they're so funny, particularly the one, the one that I really liked was when, uh. She shit her pants. I don't know if you remember that episode. But we she, had to get her in the she limo. She had to get her in the limo. And they're, they're bleeding it out. And they're like, okay. I, and, and finally, Matt's just like, I'm getting out. I'm getting out. <laughs> he just gets out of the like, And you're seeing it like in a wide shot. Like you're just, you're hearing, you can't see anything but a limo. And you're just hearing this, this sound. And I, I just think, uh, so, so that's not, that wasn't like a, that, that was not something that was created by the creators. You think that was borrowed? Because I thought that was really well. Brilliant. I feel like I want to say The Office probably did that, but I'm not. I'm just saying that device. Did it, they? Do it would know? be. It's so hard to do to anything original. Like really, I feel like somebody's done it. Yeah. But I'm. I'm I don't <laughs> doubt that we do it well. No, you do it very well. You yeah. Do very well. And and what is the writing process on that show? In other words, when you, the writers. It's heavily it, influenced by rehearsal. Right. We do a script read, table read, and then we'll put it down, and then the director for that episode and the head writer will be in the room, and the writers are there with their computers open or notepad and we just improvise scenes. We work them and rework them and we pitch ideas or we try things differently and it's heavily, it's heavily influenced by the rehearsal process. In the, in the next draft, those uh, moments will be reflected in that next draft. And, and will there, will there, is it common that there'll be a draft and then a day, two days later, whole new draft? Uh, yeah. yeah. Storylines will get cut, like right. that's not working. Uh, yeah, there are ta occasional table reads that are dismal. Mm. Although there's, they're always funny, but like structurally, there's there's huge problems. And what are because I, I when you from what you've seen and from your work on because you did a lot of writing on on Dog Bites Man. Yeah. Right. So you were writing on that. Yeah. And I have two questions. This is this is a question in two parts. Go. <laughs> All right. The first question is, um, will you talk a little bit? Because I can't seem to do it. I have trouble with it myself, and these guys have a real hard time with it. Just the killing of babies philosophy. The idea of there are things that just have to go. And it's not that it's not that the belief that you can be funny again, but not use, you know, that take. You know, is there anything you can say to speak to with for that? Because it is a, a struggle, I think, for a lot of young writers to just to really be open to like, you know, I don't get wide eyed anymore when for the second draft of a studio script that I've been hired to write that they're paying me a tenth of what they wrote, they're paying me for the first part when they say, we want a page one rewrite. Like, I'm, ha I'm expecting that at this point, so it doesn't phase me anymore. But I think for young writers, it's, it's a really difficult thing to, 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 to do. Yeah, I guess, 
I mean, in the writing process or like in the edit room? Would the you, writing, talking about in the, the writing, writing process. Oh yeah, I mean, as a as a as a working writer, you can't get married to anything. Like, if someone's paying you, like, don't ever get married to anything. Right. Like, truthfully, like because, uh, you know, my friend Miles writes on uh, the Fallon show, and he was telling me like how soon into it, like, yeah, great, you got a better idea, love it, love it. Like, you just let it all roll off your back, and I think. That actually is healthy. Like, I think it's really healthy to, um, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, you guys, if you have things and, and you're literally, someone's giving you notes and you respect them and you know they're talented, then, you know, because I gave Pete a movie I made and I took some of his notes because he's smart. So if you really are getting that feedback from someone and you're hearing it, you know what I mean? Like, if you're open to hearing it, otherwise don't give it to someone to judge it. But if you give it to the right people, then consider those things. Like, absolutely. And, like, at the end of the day, I learned that lesson, like, a million, like, the first TV show. Like, I think the first time we edited Upright Citizens Brigade sketch show, because some of them had been stage shows, mm -hmm. and, like, no, 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 there's a little, there's a little two-couplet exchange that's, that's always worked, and it always gets a laugh in the theater. And by the second episode, it's like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever's funny. Well, yeah. and, and, you know, that's, that's, that's the key. Sort of what you just said is, is something I learned early on, which is when you do a reading of your show, and some of you hear me, don't be listening to and rooting on the jokes. That's the worst thing you can do. Hear it. Just hear it. And, and you know, don't yeah. think, like, is everybody loving it? That's not what you're there to do. You're there to really hear it and, and try to find what's funny. And, and be ready. You know, the other thing that I keep thinking is the, the quicker you can shrug off a draft and start a new one and work on a new one, you're that much closer to being a professional writer. I mean, that's one way to look at it, is like, I'm getting closer by virtue of the fact that I'm willing to do this and not yeah. gonna like, I had a guy, I'll tell you, oh, and you're gonna get, you're gonna get more feet, you're gonna, you're gonna get people, more people that wanna work with you and help you. I'm gonna tell one little story. Okay. Uh, it's your I had a show. Friend, it's my show. It's your show. It's, it's sponsored true. by, yeah. who's this sponsored by? Uh, <laughs> Writer's Corona. Draft Software? Yeah, Corona Draft, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, so, the, uh, so I had a guy and he, Gave me a script to read, and I spent two hours, you know, good friend, I spent maybe two, three hours doing it. And on page four, I thought, you know, um, I think it steals focus that he's wearing like a, this, that hat with the eyeballs on it. When it and he goes, ah. Uh, and I'm like, uh, what? And he goes, it's, you know, it's his favorite hat. And I'm like, uh-huh. And so that's on page two. And like on page three, I, I say something like, you know, I just felt like this, uh, you know, you don't want to say something that on the nose for exposition. You want to, it's like, yeah, but it's important that we know that because blah, 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 blah. And I literally just went like that. I just said to him, yeah. And then I just made sounds of me turning pages. Like, but, you know, other than that, it's the script. Because I was like, why are we wasting our time anymore? I mean, this is like a big waste of my time. And I'm never going to give you notes again. I mean, so the more receptive you are to a person's notes, the more willing they'll be to work with you, you know? So there you go. It's just a, a, a little aside. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, uh, when, another thing, when you're, does it get into that weird thing? This is probably not, but it's, I'm just curious. On Veep, when you're pitching out ideas, does it get a little competitive with like, you know, they're using all that stuff. They're not, or are people pretty selfish? Oh, I think it? insecurity comes into it, the fact that like, you know, actors live and die by their, their last performance. So there is insecurity a little bit, but ultimately it all comes out in the wash, like I feel like. It's, it's all like the funniest ideas rise to the top and everyone's super nice. It is like, I. I think we have like a, a exceptionally like nice group of people, mm -hmm. so there's no like bad seeds or there's no. So you never have to turn to somebody and say, 
I founded UCB. What did you do? You don't have to say that to anybody? Like, you've never had to say that to somebody on set? <laughs> Julia. Julia, I did Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, try that. Try that. I just want to see how, I just to see how that works. Pulling uh, out my resume. How does that go? <laughs> I should pull out my Oscars. Badly. I should come to rehearsal with my Oscars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. uh, Shelly Winters and put them on the table. Yeah, just so we know. Say, I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't have an Oscar. I don't have any awards. Just bring them and just let them think. Okay. You know, they don't. They, listen, yeah. let me ask this. Do In they know secret. you don't have an Oscar? No. They don't know that. They haven't seen every Oscar broadcast ever. You might have one. Um, uh, so, yeah, please. Yeah, jump so in. do the actors and the writers have? It sounds like the actors are contributing so much. How do the writers? kind of take that in and react to that, and is there? There's no ego in a, in a good way. They don't use everything, but there's a. The guy who created it, Armando Iannucci, is a very brilliant writer and skewers the American political system better than we could, quite frankly. And, uh, and he has a pack of writers he's collected over the years who are solid, brilliant writers who've done, you know, BB they all start on BBC Radio. That's how people in Britain catch their break. They all have, because there's a lot oh, of live comedy on radio. Like, good, like, comedy in America is either, like, The Morning Zoo or maybe, like, Howard Stern, but there's not, but now there's podcasts, but... That's how writers crack into the comedy and TV world. They all come through the BBC doing like comedy shows. Almost like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me would be like a, a launch ground. Uh, so there's no, there's no conflict. Come in. There's no conflict between the writers and the ideas that uh, we pitch. It's pretty friendly. Yeah, it's pretty... Because uh, I think the best... I think... Our, uh, I was speaking of Romando. I think he has a very good tendency to let the... Uh, uh, best idea went out. Like, he'll hear anybody's ideas in a way, which, you know, it's pretty remarkable. He won't go, like, you don't work here or whatever. Like, he'll listen, he'll listen to ideas. And when you just do, uh, I, I'd love if we could, you know, go a little bit back to um, Dog Bites Men, because the thing I like about that is, is the idea, we were talking about this, of, of setting up, like, when you were in a writer's room for that, would you write story? Would you start with here's a bit that would probably work on the street? Like uh, Eric Andre is doing a lot of this stuff too. Yeah, he does a lot of this stuff, and he's developing a movie that's sort of like a, a Barat kind of thing. And does it start with the on the street stuff, and then you work the story out from? Would, would you work the story out from that? Or would yeah, it be we would way? spend a lot of time writing questions for my character, the, the reporter for Man on the Street stuff. Like we were, I think we we had one episode where we were lying that we were, I don't know, we. We took the wrong plane, and we ended up in Denver, but we're supposed to be in Florida. So we were putting like Hawaiian shirts on people and getting them to lie to camera, saying, "Boy, Florida's great." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like that was our story. Right. So we knew we'd be on the street, so we knew like what we would be asking people and uh, what sort of like gags we might want to try. But we overwrote like, you know, we would probably write a hundred questions for every segment in a show, and mm. we'd probably shoot. 35 of them and then they would end up like two or three would end up on the air So you overwrite the shit out of it and you shoot it all if you can mm -hmm. And then in the edit room they put it together because the interesting thing too as a writer and, and as Tom was talking last time about doing improv and doing a lot of sketch comedy is you know I remember when I when I was doing Second City and taking those classes and I remember that eventually you reach a point And I don't think I quite got there where you recognize every scene as a tap like you know you don't know what you're, where you're going with it, but you know all the possibilities of where this scene can go. And the reason that I think that's really helpful, uh, you know, if you're a writer, 
is because it allows you, when you're writing, to, to know human nature and, and where that's going. And I think that when you're coming up with these ideas, like the, you know, you're looking for that question that's, that's, that's going to be, you know, not this is a different thing, but like, when was the last time, when did you stop hitting your wife? In other words, that's not a good question, but you yeah. know, you know, you know yeah. no matter what the answer is, fireworks yeah. are going to, you know, something's going to come out of. Yeah. And, I think, and I think that that sort of thing, and this is why, like, when I'm, one of the things I'm really trying to hit tonight is because I know so many of you are actors trying to come up with the, that, that sketch idea and, and what's going to be funny. And I, I do feel like the more you can integrate some reality to it, the, the more, you know, the smaller and more personal it is, the more it's going to resonate than, than trying to say, watch this sitcom I'm going to do in three minutes, you know. Again, I know we're, we're hitting this point, but um, do you, is there anything, like, when you go into these sorts of things, you know, is there any... You know, insight you could give on what what makes what makes a like a short like you, you've done a lot of sketches and you've written sketches and you've done short form and long form. Like, if we can talk a little bit about the, the recipe. In other words, let's know what the scene is in the first three lines. Like, let's know. Okay, like there's this show that I've talked to these guys about called Chad Vader. Have you seen this? Uh, yeah, manager. he's Darth Vader's brother. He's right? Darth Vader's brother, yeah. and, he, and he works in a in a in grocery, a grocery store. Yeah. and we know that in two yeah. lines, and that's you know it's it's sort of the end of the scene. And then you know everything you need to know. Like, is, yeah. there, is there any, maybe I should have written you this question so that you could be prepared to answer it, but like, what are the hallmarks of a good five-minute scene, you know, in terms of do this, do this, do this, get out? Huh. Well, uh, as far as, I can only speak about comedy, it has to have a solid sort of premise which will ultimately have a game you can repeat for comedic effect. Uh, it also helps if you can have that thing you're going to film be tested in front of a real audience. I had the benefit of always having a theater, or always being on my feet, doing sketches. That so get a theater. That's the first, number one, no. get a theater. <laughs> <laughs> but even in Chicago and early New York, I didn't have a theater, and we were just doing things on their feet in front of an audience. And I do, because you said earlier about, like, don't listen for the laughs. I think the laughs are valuable. I would disagree with you. I think... If something is like solidly getting laughs, then you probably want to see if there's a way to hang on to that thing. You know what I mean? Like you might have to cut it or change it or move it. But I do think there is value in hearing laughter. And certainly for uh, comedy, like it's so uh, wonderfully immediate if it's working. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It just is. And then ultimately your, your point of view and your voice will color it and your specifics and your ability to portray it also raise the value of that idea. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, testing it is a good cheat. Getting, you know, we had a sketch group, so we would, you know, we had to like, we would go away and write our own scenes, but you and had to read that, it. Who was in that group? Was Horatio in that group? Well, back in Chicago, Horatio was in it, and McKay, and... Uh, Adam McKay, do you guys know Adam McKay? Yeah. Uh, I don't know who else was in it. Ali, I think Ali Fairnocking was in it for a few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know who else. Rich Fulcher came into it a few mm -hmm. times. These are just names. Probably don't know any of them. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and then who are the four founders? Are there four founders for UCB? Yeah. It's you, Amy. Matt Besser, Amy. Ian. And Ian. Now, and were you a group, or you're just four people? Like, did you perform together, the four of you? Or yeah, was there, we performed so, in Chicago, yeah. Right, you performed together. Yeah. And just, just I think, it would interest people, but like when you would do a scene with Amy, because they know her, what are the, like, the familiar, what would be the familiar... The familiar conflict that would happen between the two of you in terms of oh what she did and what you did. Like an improv scene? Yeah, was it, was it just two, two I don't know. That, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
I, I don't know that there was any stereotypical thing we would fall into. Like, she's so funny. It's like, I think it'd just go anywhere. So Whatever the, the premise the was. was you, she would be funny, and then you would be funny. And you put it together, and it was a funny scene. Hopefully. <laughs> right. I did, right. I did clunkers yeah. with Amy you had your, you had many times. Yeah. All right. What, these, are, these, are, uh, these are questions I do ask, but they're just, it's just these questions I think are so important. You know? So first of all, this is, this is so funny that we're hitting these questions now. You know, now we're in, because usually the first questions I ask, but we just hit the ground running so fast. Um, when did you first know like, that you could write something, that you, you, were, that you were writing things that were, that were I thought resonating. of that poetry. I loved writing poetry as a kid. I was in second grade or third grade, and they were like dumb. Roses are red, violets are blue. But mm. I always liked the rhyming nature of words, and I always liked the simple fun you could have with words. Almost like, and also jokes. I was also attracted to jokes, which are obviously word-driven. So I always like, I would write poetry, and I would, you know, know, I know, I knew every joke. Like I was that kid, like, you couldn't stump me. Like I just liked it. Right, right. I liked it, and so those are like those are like folkloric tales in a way. Like right, right, they're, they're passed down by uncles and friends and neighbors. And and was there a so moment where you like realized this is what I want to do? Like this is working. I think for I like the uh, the Jones for like uh, approval was probably driven by like I don't know. I think adolescence brings a uh, identity, and uh, I was able to make people laugh, so I like that. So that mm. became my identity. Like if I was a good athlete, I might have like played that up or something. So in the beginning, I think the uh, stumbling into like, oh, this is how I can fit in no, was too. neat. You know, it's funny, yeah. not to, not uh, on my level, yeah. way beneath, of course, your level. Uh, there are no levels. It's all an illusion. It's all an illusion. There are no levels. There are no levels. Though, though mine, mine is actually probably a little higher. <laughs> if you really get down to it. Sure, no, we can but, have higher. Yeah, sure. Because there's no levels. Oh, right, right. But, um, <laughs> but, but for me, you know, I actually went to a junior high that was kind of tough after going to this very coddled, protective elementary school. Uh. And it really was the kind of thing, like, it was the only thing to stop me. Like, that's where I actually became funny because, A, I was getting the shit kicked out of me, and, and it makes you funny because you're either going to die or you're going to yeah. you're going to realize how funny it is. But I mean, yeah. there were a lot of situations of me like I tell stories about. Like I was just telling somebody the other day that, that for me, and I realize now how funny this is. There would often be times where somebody would have me by the collar like this with a fist cock. This happened on two separate occasions, and said to me, "Say that again. Say that again." And I'd be like, "What?" They're like, no, "Say it. Say it again. Say it again." Or I'm going to punch you in the face. What? And I honestly, at that moment, I didn't know what I'd said. I didn't even know we had a thing happening. Like, I didn't even know. It was literally like a complete stranger wanted to punch me in the face for, for absolutely no reason. And you can die in that And, you know, I think it's great that I never learned my lesson. Because, because if I had, who would I have been? But it definitely, you know, in my case, I could deflect some ass kickings by being funny. You know, yeah. it was like a, a means of survival, you know. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't, you know, push them all back. <laughs> but even those, ones, even those ones made me funny. And then... Yeah. Um, and then uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you sit down, like, when did you first start sitting down to write? Like, were you doing that when you were doing UCB? Like, was there a lot of sitting down to write in the early stages of UCB? Yeah, once we moved to New York to, like, get a, uh, to be, like, career-minded about it, to get a sketch show on television was the reason we left Chicago. Because Chicago's not, a, uh, like, we talked about outside. Like, if you want to learn something, like, move to Chicago. Like yeah, we were George talking went. about it. Yeah, I was telling him that when I graduated from college, I was on my way to Los Angeles, and George Went, who I met at Williamstown, he was on Cheers. He was like, you know, things were going great for him. He said to me, you know, just stop. You stop in. I mean, he was doing a play in Chicago. He said, stop in Chicago, because if you go to LA, you're just never going to learn anything. And I stopped in Chicago, and I stayed there for four years, you know, taking these classes and, and really developing who I was before I came out here. And I think 
That really works. You know, one of the things we talk about in this class, like I, I, I've told these guys that my story is the reason we started writing horror. It, was, it's, it reminds me a little bit of your story in, in as much as what I'm about to say, which is my writing partner, it was when Dawn of the Dead and um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they did remakes in 2003, and Josh, my writing partner, who you, he went to school to, mm -hmm. said, they're going to remake all these movies. We need to, to write them. And I thought, I don't, I've never seen that. Yeah. I don't know what these are. You know? But the timing was so right that it really worked. And similarly, what I think is interesting about your story is the decisions that you make that aren't even necessarily like, you guys were very funny, but when you took what was going on in Chicago and you were the ones to take it to New York, sure. you know what I mean? That was like a really smart decision in terms of knowing the market. I mean, I don't know if that was- I don't think we had that yeah. foresight. I yeah. really, I know we didn't. Yeah. Like we had no intention on teaching classes when we went to New York. We right. really didn't. Right. Well, I know some people I that were we there. I think we thought it was going to happen overnight, I know probably. some people that were there and took those classes and said, you know, there was also a line around the block, you know, even before to, to see you guys, you know? Yeah. And so I think it is that you brought something that was really new to New York and people wanted a piece of that. That's legit. Yeah, it yeah. really was legitimately uh, different and interesting and fortunate to have, I don't know, an, an audience that connects with you, like looking for uh, that sort of entertainment or whatever we were providing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to tell you, this is, this is always, uh, I had a script come my way, I meant to tell you this, that said a Matt Walsh type. Oh in the script, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to. What's the I wanted character? To call is he a hero or a villain? What? He, no, he's like a hilarious guy that they run into who is, was working in a gas station, I think, and then they, they meet him. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, is I, I wanted. Why it was can't like, I get a better but, job than listen, a gas station? Employee. I know, I know, but it was Columbia. It was Why like isn't a, he CEO? But it was a script that not Columbia. It was a script that um, New Line was doing, and I wanted to call him and say, I think you Matt could Walsh get him. Matt Walsh type is CEO. You, but I think you could get him. I think you could get Matt Walsh. <laughs> yeah. I think. I mean, I'm not saying he's he's you know he's totally available, but I think he'd do this part for. For for you know for new line you know that <laughs> is funny know. yeah um, so la these last couple of questions again are things that so one of the things that, that always comes up is you know sort of pushing through when you're writing and um, is, does the process come pretty easy to you or is it because you're how do you structure your scripts because it sounds like a lot of it isn't actually writing dialogue it's writing the beats out of the movie correct like so. What did the treatment, let's call it, for High Road look like? Was it a treatment? Or was it literally like you'd show up with some cameras? Fortunately, and High Road was a screenplay that we, oh, had, right, spent, right. we had spent like two to three years on. And, oh. like, and by the end of it, it was a pretty good, pretty solid you know, screenplay. Mm. Like truthfully, like we worked it and had people read it. And we worked it again and, and tore things apart. And you know, we, it, it had many evolutions. So I think by the end of it, it was a good screenplay. So we were fortunate enough, like I had a story that I knew was a good story. And when you were going through it and when you do all of your writing, like I feel like you're a guy, and maybe this is just persona, but you don't seem like you get, you allow yourself to get real stressed out or real bogged down or real worried about things. Like oh you're not Jewish, that's what I'm trying to say. You're not a Jew. I'm but not a Jew. You're not a Jew. I, of course I get worried. I mean, I don't think that's fair to say. I don't know that I have been crippled by uh, writer's block, but I don't, I'm not an aggressive writer either. Like yeah. I'm lazy, so. If I had a, I've never. He's so lazy that while he was shooting Veep, he yeah. went and directed a movie. That's how lazy he is. <laughs> no, I think it's a different kind of tension to have like, if you're on job and, and the corporation says we need the third draft by like May 30th and it's fucking May 15th. Mm. I've never been under the gun like that, like mm. truthfully. Mm -hmm. So that's a different animal. You've so never gone to your wife and said, I'm returning the money for a script that you've already been paid on and not doing it. <laughs> never done that, have yeah, you? right. I have. Okay. Yes, I have. That was, it was a really rough couple of weeks in the house. And, my, and, and, and some of you may know the story, but it ended up, I called my agent and said, look, this is... I'm, this is going to be, it was a, it was a, they, they picked up our option on a rewrite. And I was like, they want a page from rewrite. And we struggled with the first one. I'm like, 
then it, the thing they agreed to was a terrible idea, but they had, it was cheap to do the rewrite. And I was like, this is going to be shit, and I don't want to turn this in because it'll be work. Like, we'll never work for that studio again if we turn this in. And there's nothing I can do to fix it. So I'm talking to my agent. I'm like, so can we, can we return the money? And he goes, yeah. I mean, I don't know what that's going to look like. I've, I've never done it before. And I was like, and the, the secret message was, you are not going to be with ICM any longer. If you oh, really? Think. No, I just, that's how it felt to me. And I was like, no, I got this. I got this. No problem. I was just, <laughs> I was just kind of venting. <laughs> and then I got off the phone. I was like, oh, my God. This is, I'm going to die. And literally, Jen would often have to say to me, like, you're gonna, you are gonna die because of the, your way you're, you're treating this. So you're very blessed to not have to do that. Um, so anyway, thus, I guess that's, you know, those are, those are my questions and really great answers. Um, I hope, did we stay on topic of writing? I feel like we might have drifted a little bit at times. I hope, I hope you guys. Are there any hope, specific that's, questions that's, that's, I'm gonna to open, you all? I'm gonna open this up for questions and I really hope you guys have some because he, he one thing I'll say about Matt before we go to questions is when I was sitting out, he was telling me a story. What was the story you're telling me about being where were you when you were doing, you were, uh, oh, interviewing the Ku Klux Klan down yeah. in, yeah. And, and I just I thought, there was nothing else we talked about, like. I should be journaling. You, you should said be I journaling. should be journaling. You should be journaling. I did, like, I did the artist yeah. way for a while, Pete. Yeah, I did the artist way for a couple yeah. years and I would yeah. write every day religiously. Yeah, yeah. Terrible stuff. But, but you know, like you know, my nothing. journal entries are now like, you know, Bobby laid on my lap for five minutes today. It made me so happy, like it's yeah. nothing's happening. And your yeah. journal is like, okay, I'm gonna say, I know there's no comparing. <laughs> God, is your life awesome? Anyway, um, all right. So he has. Met. There's so much. He, this guy really does have so much that he has way more knowledge than he knows he has inside of him. But if anybody does have any questions, I you know I'm sure he'd be happy to answer them. Yeah. Any I'd questions? Like to, I would like to discover yeah, some. Uh, for, from a, as a comedy writer, um, do you write as far as process goes? Do you kind of write not funny and then and not worry too much about being funny? And then go back in a in a rewrite or in a in, when you're um, doing a second pass and punch it up, uh, or I, or if not. Well, I would say hopefully the inspiration to write the comedy thing was there in the beginning. It's not it's not just like write anything and then go backwards and make it funny. Like I think I always right. won't write something unless I'm inspired to. Like you know that's why I mean lazy writer. Like but if I am inspired, I will go and if it's Friday night or whatever, I will just go in my room and do it, you know, like, mm -hmm. I, but that's, you know, the writer writes whenever he, he can, basically. But especially so. when your kids are home and can stay up late on a Friday night, you feel inspired to go into a room. And no, I don't <laughs> do anything else. <laughs> well, it's also like two things, like funny things, but also deadline. Like uh, the biggest thing to, you know, give yourself is a deadline, like as if you were working, you know, like if you're not working, Pretend you have to have a screenplay done by August. Like nothing motivates you more. I found nothing motivates you more than a deadline. Like just pretend it's your job and just give yourself that deadline. Like that's that's the beginning of everything. Like if I write sketches or funny things, it's because oh I got to do that guy's show and I start worrying about. I get worried. I worried about like oh I got to do a bit at this show this, and I have nothing to He's do. Been sweating this interview out all day. Yeah. About like God, if I let Pete Goldfinger down, it'll be the end of my career. As I know, this it. felt yeah. This felt like <laughs> Charlie Rose, basically. Yeah, going yeah. going head to head with Charlie I think, I Rose. Think his alarm went off at seven o'clock, an alert that said, "Oh, I got to go to Pete's." That was the first time that you actually thought that I have something I got to do next. Um. <laughs> Did that answer your question? Well, yeah, definitely. And I wonder, when do you know something's funny? Like, I would like. I think laugh? I said it earlier. Just put it on its feet. Like comedy is yeah. the best. Well, or table read it. Or get it on his feet. Like if you're not the actor, 
get funny people to do it in some show or in some way so when and you're, test when you're, it that way. When you're writing and you're reading it on the page yourself and you laugh or you say, oh, this is funny, is there a moment of like, this isn't funny yet, I have to keep going? Uh, I have to keep, like, or do you say, I have to get hmm. this on its beam? Sorry, I know that's kind of a big question. Well, I think everything I write is probably two or three drafts before I like let someone see it okay. as okay. a rule. Like, I know that you're never going to cough out like a brilliant, tight sketch. If we're talking about sketch, to be specific, I know that it'll never be perfect the first time around, but it's always inspired by, you know, it, it's driven of your voice, like whether it's personal experience or something you've observed in the real world. Um, those are the things you're wanting to put on page, and if you have like, or if it just strikes you as funny, yeah. and it just, then you just start writing that. And then the deadline on top of that is a great way to uh, force yourself to be artistic. I think you know there's a there's a there's an advantage and a disadvantage to being both young and and being a younger writer and also an older writer. Like when I was a younger writer, I was much more fearless in terms of what I was would do. And then when I became a middle-aged writer, well, or young middle-aged writer, uh, it would be more. God, I tried this once before and it failed. So you kind of get the yips, is what they call it in golf. But the other thing that we have, I think, that you don't have is we've seen so much that we know in our moment of doubt it's going to get done. Like okay. I'm not going to waste any time beating myself up over the fact that I didn't write today because I know I'm going to finish it. I know this works. You know, like maybe it doesn't work every time, but the, the, you have a much more to draw from in terms of what we're like. You I pretty much know. Eventually. Yeah, I know I'm going to find an adventure, so yeah. I don't yeah. waste any time not worrying about that anymore. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Anyway, any other questions? Yeah, Steph. Was your goal um, when you went to New York? Um, uh, was one to put on a really great show but did you say that it was to, to get it sold as a tv show was that yeah. the main goal yeah and then so that just kept evolving right as your career evolved did you did, did you see it in your mind that you wanted to eventually act in other people's projects no i always was willing to act in other people's projects like i always had whatever aspirations to be in movies and mm -hmm. hopefully make my you know he turned down woody allen so many times in new york it was uncomfortable <laughs> to see him i was almost in the room <laughs> with woody allen uh, do you remember when the Eastern Seaboard uh, electrical <laughs> grid went out? It was like 2003-ish, yeah. Right? 2002. I was like 30 seconds out of the room when the whole Eastern Seaboard went out with Woody Allen. I had my oh. only Woody Allen, and I was like, oh my God, I wish that's a movie. Like if you're in a room with Woody Allen, the Eastern Seaboard electricity grid goes out. Yeah. I would just cling to that guy and like do whatever he said. No, I left. I was literally, so I walked out of his audition room, which is basically the ground floor of his apartment building on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And it's like a conference room and, and a nice apartment building. And I left and I like went to the corner and I went to get a cab and then like my phone was weird or, you know, and I'm like, and then I, found, I discovered through the radio that, oh, the, the whole, like people thought it was terrorist. Like they thought it was like, because it was right after 9-11, so there was a lot of tension in New York, like, holy shit, what's going on now? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So to imagine being in the room with Woody Allen at that moment, like that's a movie. My movie, it, my movie is that Woody Allen kills everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horror movie. A, I mean, I'm, I'm going to approach Woody Allen with that idea. Would you consider playing yourself in a horror movie? Anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, you have, have more time yeah. that question. How long were you in Chicago, and then how long were you in New York, and then how long were you like going at it until you felt like, oh, things are starting to happen, like you could feel the momentum? Uh, I moved to Chicago 
I've been in Chicago my whole life, and I moved to Chicago. I spent eight years in New York, uh, and then moved to LA, and I've been here ten years. And it was more of uh, the LA move was more out of like as an actor, which is what I wanted to be or continue to be. Uh, I knew that I wasn't going to be. I was probably too old for SNL, and there's no other like comedy things that would happen for me in New York. So I knew I had to be in LA. Like, and then fortunately, Dog Bites Man happened when I was in New York. Like, I got the gig, so it gave me a reason to move. Right. So that was like the other thing. Right. Yeah. You know, I think what's interesting about that is uh, well, one thing that's interesting about not being in LA when you start. Like that thing I said uh, that George went taught me. You know, George went, and you, I think, and, and a lot of people I knew from Chicago and some from New York. The play sort of is the thing. In other words, there's a lot of respect and cred that comes with doing small things if they're good. You know, like the Annoyance Theater when I was there. Yeah, like was just doing annoyance, something yeah. very strange. But when you come to L.A., you know, you're there, you're there and you're 22 and you're driving around and you're, you know, Ron Livingston's first car was a, was a, a parking meter car that they hadn't taken off the side. Like, so you're driving like a literally a, a meter maid's car. Really? So you drove around, yeah. Ford Escort. But, but you're driving along with some 21-year-old who's on a Disney show who's driving a Porsche, and it's very easy for that to be the measurement of what you are in your early 20s. And I think, you know, George, I think you're saying, they were always looking for the funny thing to be doing or the interesting thing to be doing, sort of with a, with a, with a laid-back, tell me if you think this is true, belief that it, it'll happen eventually if I just keep doing what it is I do. Yeah, I think that... And it's not a guarantee that it will, but that is the operating principle. He just said, just do the work and have faith it'll work out. Yeah. Like, you know, bring it back to writing. Neil Simon once said that, um, you know, he was, he was an overnight success at, at 32. And, you know, it's like, it took me, you know, that's the line, it took me 10 years to be an overnight success. And what he said is, he, everybody kept telling him his stuff was too broad. His stuff was too broad. His stuff was too broad. And rather than making his stuff less broad, he says he just kept doing what he was doing until he was so good at it that they couldn't say no to it anymore. And then, for those of you who don't know, he, he did four plays in four years, and when he did the fourth play, the other three were still running on Broadway. Like, they had not closed yet, so he had four plays. And, really? And he, yeah, and he had them all. He'd written them all. Like they, it wasn't even like they were new plays. Like, just no one would take a chance on them, and then when the first one got made, you know, all these other ones came right through. But he just got really good at what he did. And the thing that I really want to say to you guys is that in L.A., it's so easy to chase the tail. You know, and now I'm this person, now I'm that person. And I think Chicago, New York, you know what, I'm telling you all the move. No, no. But I'm saying, try to keep that mentality of I'm going to do what I do. You know, I will tell you, Brittany, who's sitting in the front row, she has a thing that she does, and she does it really well. And, you know, she does it in a lot of things with different slants on it. And she's great at it. And, you know, I would say, find the thing that you are best at doing and do that. You know, that's the way to do it. Sure. All right. I, uh, yeah. yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. The back. Uh, is there... I don't have a ton of three camera experience. I've never, like, for example, I've never uh, done a taping in front of a live audience. I do. Is that right? Yeah, I've not in a sitcom one. room. No, I ha I've oh had my a God, couple. That's so funny. I've booked sitcoms. Like, I've done parts on sitcoms or guest stars on sitcoms, but it always ends up like, oh, they're filming yours pre tape, or oh, they're going to go live. No, they're filming a pre tape. So mm -hmm. I've never done that thing. But. On the other side, I, I do live performing all the time, mostly just improv, but I do like live shows all the time. Um, so the difference between writing and performing in my, in my mindset is well, that... Yeah, and you're saying your mindset is, because, you know, um, 
it's fun as an actor whenever I'm going to read for uh, a three camera versus a single camera. Obviously, it's going to be completely different. Um, yeah. Sort of, you know. No, I think it is a different skill. Like, I don't know that I could give you any advice on what the, what the subtlety or what the uh, sweet spot of, like, a three camera is. Like, single camera to me is just real acting. Yeah. And sitcom acting, I think you're, I don't know, you're feeling that room in a way that you just, uh, I, I don't know. Imagine that you're in that room and there's, like, bench seats and people are watching you. Well, it is different. In multi-clan, I feel, is playing for that joke. You're playing for that joke, and it goes, you know, joke, 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 the whole way through. And it's a little larger than life, I feel. Yeah. Then half hour is a little more gritty and real. Yeah, I think that, that's a hard, that's a difficult skill to, like, sell sitcom stuff. And But a good question. I, I don't, yeah. Yeah, Steph. Have you ever had to do any other kind of job in your life? Or have yeah. you always, oh, you have? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I stopped working real jobs and like when I got hired for the touring company for Second City in Chicago. Like to me, that was like the, oh my God, How I, old I'm you getting then? paid. I don't know, 30s, 30. And what were the what were the jobs you had? I'm just curious, were they? Oh my God, I literally had a hundred jobs. I had like, uh, I did singing telegrams. That was a nightmare. I did move. I would move like the uh, visiting companies for like Les Mis and Phantom of the Opera and Miss Saigon. I would move the actors in and out because my friend, so we would, I did that, like that was seasonal work. I did painting, I had my own painting business. We did. I did labor of all kinds. I parked vehicles, uh, delivered pizzas for a while, I feel very, everything. I feel very sorry for, there are some people that don't have to work for varying reasons. Maybe they have, you know, a trust or they have some money and I always feel like that's a bit, it's too bad, you know, because of, you know, the experience you get out there. there yeah. Like Ron Livingston and I, we did, we were, like, they do these um, 20s parties, like, there's, there's a few yeah. these 20s parties, and we played Groucho and Harper Parks, you know, that was, like, one of our gigs, and it was so funny, because, like... Who were you? I, who was I? Groucho. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just Harper, making but, sure. But it was so funny, and you know what the funniest thing is? They had eyebrows, and they, they, wouldn't, they decided they didn't have to wear them. I said, my, <laughs> I said my eyebrows were fine, but, uh, but we, used to, we, used to, we used to do these. Sure, I got shoe polish. No, then, no, you're good. I got shoe polish. Let me just do the shoe polish. Make yeah, me yeah, feel better. Maybe, but the thing that was always so funny is, you know, we had this little routine. And sometimes you go out there and you're doing a routine, like a table or something, and they're not paying any attention, you know. And so we do. <laughs> of like, course. Yeah, it was just, it was just like, like most of them, most of the time. Anything more humiliating than playing Groucho and Harpo Marx to a room full of people that no one even cares that you're there. I remember one of my first like improv shows, somebody at a bar in the South Loop had a, he had the idea to have a comedy night and so he was like, he was just like a, basically an alcoholic who thought he was an artist. <laughs> and so he created this night called Asshole Night and we stumbled into it and like, get it? Because everyone's an asshole. Like, terrible premise for an evening. Right, right, right. And on top of that, we would, the stage was, the uh, and he was the whole night he was walking around with a toilet seat around his neck, oh. like that guy. Who, what was his name? His name was what? No, he was he was nobody. I don't remember who he was. He was just a man who. He didn't play Harry Dump, did he? No. Okay, there's no. Guy, no. Harry no, this was a okay, guy. Yeah. It was all, I don't know. It sounds mean, but it's almost, it's almost like a, a fucking like welder decided he was going to do a comedy night. Like he had no right, idea right. like what he was doing. Oh, there's right, right, no right. levels. There's no yeah, levels. Yeah, it was just there's like. No levels. It's like we're gonna, it's asshole night, and he made a sign that said he was asshole night. And it's like that's not a good night for comedy. <laughs> this is terrible. 
But anyways, we were on the, the stage was the entrance to the restaurant, so like you'd be doing scenes, and then like a door would hit you in the back. And you'd be like, yeah, you can go in, go ahead, go in. Like, sorry, yeah, Then you'd go back to your scene. Yeah, oh my God. So that was That's like so the funny. worst gig. Yeah. Here's more questions. Um, so it sounds to me like you've had a really interesting career, like you, um, you obviously act and you are writing and it all kind of feels like it's this all kind of comes together and fluid it's fluid, fluid yes. yeah and you also it sounds like you also have kind of fluid way of approaching um the creative stuff which is okay. which is really nice to hear okay do you, are you um <laughs> where's this going no, yes no, yes I'm that's what i'm like, thinking do you feel do you feel like creatively fulfilled in, in your life at this point do you feel mm. That's like a that's a hard one to answer. answer. I mean, yeah. I mean, what do you say? Yes, yes, yeah, I do. And yes, like when I'm doing it. Are you happy with where you are? Yes, yes, I am. I am. I I have learned to take joy from other aspects of my life, family, friends. Uh, that's a big part of it. But ultimately, that's when the, I'm doing it, I would say more than that's the key to it. Because then you don't. It doesn't matter. That's how you protect yourself, right? Well, I have kids, and it still matters to me. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think when I'm doing it. But he's I've got ended really up. good kids. You know, his kids are really good. <laughs> <laughs> he's such an asshole. Our kids are better than your kids. But there's no levels. But anyway, yeah. Uh, I think, like, the, the when you're doing it, it's, like, the the fun of it, you know? like So there is that need to, like, do it, because it is very rewarding to just do it. And, it's, and I've been fortunate to fall, enough, fall into wonderful scenarios where I get to do it. Like, I've never had the, I don't know, nightmare... I've done nightmare gigs, but like the, I've never had to. I don't know. Like I just don't get cast in the things that I want to have fun at. Like I've auditioned a billion times. Like I've never booked like a sitcom. Like I've auditioned for pilots, and I wanted to be on network sitcoms. I'm just not. I'm not made for that. Like I, I don't think I'll ever get to do that. And I wa I've wanted it in my life, but at the end of the day, I probably wouldn't have been great at it anyways. Like I'm. I'm always. Uh, it's spiritual in the way that the universe kind of ends up giving you what you th you think you want this, and then you get this, and you're so much better at this. Do you is know what that I mean? Your mindset, yeah, that's like. Well, in this moment, yes, that is my mindset. But I, of course, I go through like the, uh, oh, I should be busier, like because we have like Veep and it's wonderful, and then the off season, like, I should be working because LA makes you feel that. Like you, yeah. you get into this town, it's like, oh man, I should be working. I should be working. Like you know, so I get that as well. Like I, I do want to be busy and I do want to be making things and and such like that, so, you know, but like always the doing, like truthfully, like getting, like I say, getting on your feet, like I've been fortunate enough to have pickup shows where I can go once a week and do improv, or I can do sketch shows, or I get asked to do, you know, variety shows and things like that, and I think that's a real valuable, I'm not saying you all need to become performers if you're not performers, but by the same token, if you write, read it in, you know, in a moth scenario, or read it in an open moth. mic scenario, like there's something about or table reads. Like, there's something about gauging, uh, encountering other human beings in the work that is very rewarding, actually. Like, you know, and that speaks to the note part of it, too. Like, it's not criticism, it's actually instruction that people are giving you. And if, if they're, if the, them as people seem to respect what you're doing, then listen to that, you know. You're always gonna, and the other thing is, you're always gonna feel like there's something else you could, like, a, like, Tom Cruise is probably saying to his agent, like, why can't I do, like, the kind of movies that Adrian Brody's doing? You know what Adrian Brody's telling his agent? Why can't I do the kind of movies that Tom Cruise is doing? So, but I only say this to say, 
like there's always going to be a project that you want to be doing that you just can't like you, for whatever reason you can't get in on it right yeah but whatever's right in front of you is really the one you should be taking the most joy out of because there's joy in it you know and there's yeah there's I there. yeah finding things that uh, make you more joyful are, is always healthy obviously and you'll be better at them obviously but like you know I said before deadlines are great yeah. like ambition like fuck it I should make a movie. Like, without any money, and lo and behold, you find that money, like, just saying, like, we're going to do it in June. There's something wonderful about that backstop that, like, holy shit, I got a deadline now. Mm. And it's real. So that's what, like, ambition gives you. Like, the, the, the need to be busy in L.A. isn't necessarily, like, oh, it's not envy or it's not jealousy. Like, fucking, why is that guy? It's not even that. It's just, like, I want to be busy. Yeah. I want to be busy. I just want to be doing it. I just want to be doing it. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's pretty healthily, like... I don't read the trades and get scornful and like upset, and and maybe that's a byproduct of like I'm actually fortunate that I have been stringing you know work together. So there's there's some of that as well. But in truth, I do like just use it to like make things, just to like set deadlines and make things and and be busy and, and in a good way and work with funny people. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. Uh, Lizzie. Lizzie, I couldn't even see you through the windows. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, like I don't know. I like interesting, like comics with interesting life stories are always good. You know, uh, Kumail is a guy who's a comic who's like uh, Pakistani and grew up in Pakistan a little bit. Like, but he's legit funny. Like, it's not just his backstory, but he's he's someone I know that's funny. There's tons of people at UCB that crack me up uh, that are like in the improv sketch world. And then for, you know, influences are just anything from the Three Stooges to the Marx Brothers to Kids in the Hall to Python to I Love Lucy, you know, recent stuff. I tend to watch drama for some reason. I guess because I, nowadays, you know, in the world of Netflix, and like if I really had an hour, because, you know, it's, it's tough to like bank three hours of viewing, I'll do like a drama or I'll do something serious or I'll do a documentary or I'll do sports and just... <laughs> And just go really brain dead and just like watch sports scores roll in front 30, of me. Yeah. yeah. I'll do it. I'll eat two third 30 for 30s like that. Yeah. I'll yeah, watch yeah. University of Miami 1994 again. <laughs> Good. Yes. Question uh, uh, right there. Yeah. Ryan, it's you. Sorry, Ryan. It's you. I, I, uh, names would help. Ryan, you go. Uh, have you ever thought about doing another genre, writing or acting? Is just certain genre that you're drawn to, that you always want to do. I always find myself looking at my, my favorite comedians and being like, gosh, I'd love to see them in a drama. And I feel that way about you, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I haven't had like a, a drama. I've had things uh, pitched to me that are dramas, but like you're playing like the worst human being in the world, and I don't want to play that. Yeah. Like for, it's not that I'm afraid to, but I think sometimes like, you know, page one, you find out he's a pedophile or something like that. Mm. I think that's easy writing, quite frankly. Mm. I think to go super dark and, it'd be super and like easy awful. For you to play. Well, anyone, just once I give you that label, you're detestable, <laughs> yeah, 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 for yeah. example. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So I haven't like stepped into like a, a, a drama, um, but I, I've gotten to like do an action movie, which I love. Like I've done, I've been fortunate. I get to, I'm playing a bad guy. I've never played a bad guy. I'm going to play a bad guy in a, in a movie, like a, 
comedy, but like he's the bad guy. He's the force against their fighting, uh, which I really love. I've never done that. So I think I do like to stretch. I do make choices to like try something different. I do that. I did, yeah. Good. Yes. Nina. Um, you said like Pete has like deadlines. You said you don't experience having those kind of deadlines. Is it because you write mostly for yourself or you write scripts that, are, that you have ideas for and not necessarily... I'm mostly, I guess probably I've mostly been attached to things where I get to write. Like I'm always acting in them. Like yeah. I've never gone, I'm not a true writer. I'm not like a, a great writer. I wouldn't consider myself a great writer. Like I can write, mm -hmm. but I'm, I like acting. But, but I also like my dream world, my sweet spot is like where I get to write and act it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's put it on your feet, like yeah. that right there. Yeah, and I put would also say, like, you know, just so you guys know that, you, you know, it's you, uh, this last one you did, the A Better You. Yeah. That was, was that crowdsourced? Uh, the editing was crowdsourced. was crowdsourced. No, we raised money, we raised money to shoot it, but we crowdsourced it. the editing money. Yeah, they we needed did. to raise money to, like, get it made. And I always say that to say, like, that's, that's a daunting task for, I mean, you know, even as successful as he is, in order to get shit done, those are the things you have to do, and that's, you know. Yeah, I turned on, I turned the corner. I never wanted to crowdsource, because I do feel it's kind of like shitty to ask people for money. I, like, I don't ever want to ask people for money. That's yeah. why I'm terrible at raising money. Like, right, I would right. never, I would be an awful producer, because it's like, do you have money? No, of course you don't. I don't have money either. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. both here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I took your time. Like, you know what's so funny is that everybody's under the impression that somebody, like, like somebody's got... Ten, the ten percent of somebody's income, whether they have a million dollars or hundred, that they just have it ready to like. Like nobody has money. Nobody has any money that they're like. I'm just going to throw this out the window. You know, like no, no one's going to invest in. A, in it's very hard to find investors. That's really what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Good. I any agree other with that. questions? Yes, Ty. I have another. Get it. If you don't mind. Um, yeah. The, early on, when you're like starting a new project, like you finish something and new, I, you want to write something new. Woody Allen has his drawer, you know, next to his bed. He, like, pulls out all the scraps of paper. I don't know if you guys... I didn't oh, know yeah, this. No. Yeah. Oh, you should see his documentary. There's a Martin... Who did the documentary? Martin Scorsese. Who did the documentary? Yes, I don't know. Who There's a documentary on him. About his process? Oh, my God. Wow. It is unbelievable. Works on the yeah. same typewriter he worked on from wow, his first movie. Wow, really? Works on the typewriter. And he never has writer's block. He has a drawer, Ty was talking about. Sorry to... But it's, no, a, it's a, with all of these ideas that he wrote down on paper. And he'll just... He finishes a movie, and the next he'll day... He'll just go through the notes? Ideas, and he goes, oh... This one. And then he just ding just races through like a hundred page script. That's his process. Yeah. Anyway. What was your question? My question is, are you a genius? No. 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 do you have like a list on, you know, Google Docs or something of ideas that you stow away You know what's funny is like the the things I think like I have like five things or six things or seven things I'm always doing. Like I have screenplays that I'll probably make that I started seven years ago. And then I've had things that like, I'm so frustrated, like I was this close to getting like a web series out of an idea. Mm -hmm. And of course it never happened. So I may turn that into a movie or a TV show. So I cultivate ideas that I'm obsessed with. And they're usually sprung from my personal experience. Like I had, you know, I knew, I dated a girl and her family was this. I'm like, oh my God. And then five years later, I'm just thinking about them again. Like, they were crazy. Right. And then all of a sudden, I'm like writing a sitcom about them. Right. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And then, of course, I haven't done it yet. It, it's still somewhere, but I know where it is. And But I'm terrible. Like, I have, 
I always have like 50 drafts and I change titles. Mm. I'm so dumb that way. Like I change titles and I can't find it. Yeah, yeah. Like I search the new title. I'm like, what's it called? That's not the draft. What was I titling it before? Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I do that all the time. I have so much shit I have to search yeah. for that yeah. I don't know what I called it. Yeah. Well, you know, the other interesting thing is, and this is, this is the mindset that I often tell you guys about thinking like a writer as opposed to an actor. One of the hardest things to turn on in myself on a day-to-day -day basis is to turn on that thing that isn't just, oh, I'm living my life, but what about my life is it like is worthy of a story because i guarantee you it happens three times a day and you're just not you're dealing with it rather than stepping outside of it and thinking oh well that's interesting you know and so that's the thing that i, I gotta tell you i think that's what makes a really great writer is being able to see their life in such a way that they're continually making story out of it rather than trying to deal with like you know, how, you know, Amazon sent me the wrong thing. I got to put it in a box. You know, like there's those things. They're looking big picture. You know, and I think that's a hard that's a hard thing to do. You know, and you should do it. <laughs> and write and keep a journal where you clearly say what the name of it is. What's the journal for? Just tidbits of ideas, or is it for the actual writing of like what are you saying? Well, that's what do you tell these guys? Question. Well, I, I what if if they care? If you told these people. These people, well, you all. You, yeah. <laughs> why are they? Why do you want them to carry a journal? What's going to go in that journal? Like that that piece of paper. What's what goes in go there? What's going to go into that journal is things about your life that happen that really have a unique spin to them. Like something that happened. I, what I look for is something that happened to me today that probably won't happen on any other day. Like did okay. something happen today that didn't happen on any other day? Some of you, forgive me, have heard told this story before. But like this is the story I tell to to try and get actors to think like writers. But she's probably going to hear this and she can come out and weigh in. But there was, there was this one time, so I'm sorry for those of you who heard the story, but I was in the shower and Jen came in and she was like, do you know why these towels are wet? And I'm like, I don't know why these towels are wet. Jen, I don't know why the towels are wet. I hear her going down the hall, Bobby, Bobby, uh, uh, Cassie, do you know why the towels in the bathroom are wet? You don't, are you sure? Did you go in the bathroom? I just put those towels there this morning. She comes back in. She feels them again. She's like, this is crazy. Bobby. And she's like, now she's getting like a little because she wants to. And I'm just like, why does she have to know? So finally I call her back and I say, okay, I'm going to tell you what happened. <laughs> I, I got out of the shower, I had conditioner in my hair, I started to dry off and I got back in the shower and I had to rinse off the conditioner. She's like, why would you not tell me that? She's like, why would you not tell me that? And I, and I, and, and I say to her, I, I, I explain to her like, I just don't want, because it'd be, it'd be this big conversation, like it just doesn't matter, I didn't want to have a whole conversation about it. And she's like, so you lied to me? Like you're lying, you're lying. And I'm like, no, I don't lie to you. And, and this sort of, like this, and you know, you could, this whole story could have been forgotten, but it ended up with me finally saying, I think what I said is, you know, I reserved something effective. I reserved the right to lie about things of absolutely no consequence. Like that's the only thing that I will lie about. But like Jen, she's never left conditioner her hair a day in her life. So if I tell her I did it, she's gonna wonder what my thought process was when their only thought process was I forgot to, you know. So like those are. I'm, I'm not saying like that's the greatest story in the world. What I'm saying is that's something you could easily forget as nothing. And maybe you think it is nothing, but you're, you should always be searching, especially those little moments of humility. I mean, I've, I've told a lot of you guys. As actors, you, you get your brains beat in at auditions all week, so you got to keep your head up to go to these auditions. Sometimes you got to revel and you stew in the humilities of life. I mean, that's kind of what writing for me is, you know. Sure. <laughs> the, that's certainly what comedy is. Yeah. <laughs> Any other questions? No. Yeah, good. Matt. Thank you. Great job. Thank you, Thank everyone. You so we did it. Really good job. Nice great to meet stuff. you all. Good luck. <laughs> all right. We're going to head luck. out this way. And uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. All right. You want another beer?